G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of Double Jump Radio, the official podcast of DoubleJump.co. I'm your host, Abia, and I'm joined once again by my co-host, John. John, how are you, my friend? I'm good, as always. Pretty, um, yeah, pretty relaxed right now, which is nice. Um, yeah, I haven't been doing much. I've been playing a lot of Picross, been playing, and I watched <laughs> Shang-Chi, um, which... Yeah, we just um we'll, we can talk about a bit, but um yeah, how are you going? Yeah, I'm doing all right, doing well, man. It's you know can't really complain. We've still in lockdown, but uh, we've got a roadmap to how we're going to get out of it, and that's the main thing. Yeah, good. That's, uh, that's always good to hear about. Mm. But tell me, Shang Chi, what do you think? Um, it was. Oh, I'm I'm saying it like I'm gonna say something bad. It was good. It was, I, I'll definitely rank it higher than most. Like especially partly because it's like action is genuinely very good. Like as a whole, like it does the whole yep. thing that all of these movies do when they get like comically big, like and noisy at the end. Yep. But that's just personal preference, and it's not bad or anything. It's just it, it, I always whenever Marvel movie they because they always always do it. It always makes you think about um the end of Guardians of the Galaxy one. Where do you remember that movie very well at all? I got, I, yeah, okay. uh, I remember at the end it was kind of uh, you had the like on that that uh, city planet the big fight against Ronan and then there was like all the ships making a giant shield. And yeah, then that dance part. Off. That's specifically okay. the ship part because like that's like uh, yeah, all the Nova Corps have like s- like uh, organized their ship into like a wall, something like that. It's, it's been a second since I watched it personally. It's just this part yeah. in particular in that film. Um, is kind of cemented into my brain where they've yeah. it's like it's like this entire wall of identical spaceships and like one ship hits it and they all like cascade and it's just yeah. like this big wall of like identical like asset reuse noise <laughs> and that, that's always what it makes you think about it's just like just a bunch of big ex- sci-fi explosions anyway that's kind of what the the ending didn't wasn't as bad as that i i got that kind of okay i don't know it's just very anyway Get to my back to my point. Well, uh, um, okay. Have, have you seen the? Do you remember the Netflix Marvel series like Luke Cage, Daredevil, yeah. Iron Fist, and stuff? Yeah, I watched okay. most of them. Yeah, Iron Fist season one, hot load of garbage. Really bad action because apparently the actors had like barely any time to train in actual martial arts. How does the action in this stand up? Like the actual fighting and the set pieces. Yeah, that's what I was trying to get into before I went into the tangent. Uh, <laughs> the um, yeah, so the actual actual martial arts action because um, I don't remember his name, but Jackie Chan's protege, who was a stunt coordinator, who died in the last month or two, something like that. Because um, oh. he's also on the new Matrix movie. He's like he's been on a lot of movies, but um, he was the coordinator for this, and um, yeah, it's it's much better than Marvel movies typically are. In Good, terms of, like just like. That's- actual martial arts choreography and action it's just like you know the camera doesn't cut around like a single movement like three times every time stuff like that like it's actually like lingers on action so you can like kind of watch it and take it in which is like so rare in these movies like the action's typically not terrible especially Mm. recently but um i don't know i I would say it's rarely good because of how yeah how like manic the camera work tends to be yeah yeah it's um, it's very different to like classic 
Hong Kong martial arts cinema where uh, you can, where I guess the performers were so talented that the camera just stayed on them and let them do the convincing hits and the stunts. Whereas in Hollywood, because there wasn't, maybe they're just afraid of lawsuits or the actors didn't want to, you know, didn't want to put in the hard work or maybe there wasn't, the directors didn't have the faith in it. They always cut away at crucial moments or kind of make it look more chaotic than it really is. Yeah, I and always. I think John Wick kind of changed that a bit. Um, a little bit. I think still. I think John Wick still like, still has a lot of it. But maybe I'm just mm. misremembering. Yeah, it's. Oh yeah, so like lots of wushu inspiration, lots of but like lots of um, like I think especially early early on, you can kind of get a lot of like those kind of the raid feelings. Like I'll, nothing. Yeah. Very few things match up with like the insane pace of the raid films. I still yeah, haven't like, seen those. I have to. Oh, that's you should have seen. <laughs> they're really good, but like, um, but yeah, they they set the bar for a reason, and a lot of people compare them. You know, when something martial arts comes out, it's kind of like the yeah. obvious comparison to make. Um, so it's like early fight scenes, like there's like they kind of compare nicely to the raid and just how like yeah. fast paced and like kind of engaging they are as like as action sequences. Um, I think as an overall film, the second part, second half of it sort of starts to lose energy a little bit. Um, that's what I, how, but as it starts kind of getting into like bigger, as it starts like focusing more on the, like the larger story and like the fantasy elements, it's sort of yeah. like the first part, first half of the film moves really fast, almost too fast in some ways, but it's always really exciting. Um, it doesn't really like sit down for very long. You know, it's just kind of getting to the next scene really fast, <sighs> yeah. with a lot of snappy dialogue, and then See, it starts to slow down yeah. as it goes on, and not in a bad yeah. way, just in a way that doesn't quite match the first half. So, yeah, yeah, it's frustrating because I think that's what Black Widow did well: is balance those high-paced action scenes with the quiet, introspective character development scenes. Yeah, I, yeah, I thought so as well. I think it generally succeeded, and like, I I'm not saying this is like a huge flaw; it's just something I noticed. Um, I think especially because of just how impressive a lot of the early fight scenes, because it gets into the action yeah. really fast. Like it, it really doesn't, like we kind of catch up to Shang-Chi and like the, you know, the start of the story. And mm. then like five minutes later, we're in like the first major action sequence. And it's like a big yeah. one as well. So it doesn't, it doesn't wait, like it doesn't um, establish things for very long before it starts like diving headfirst into every, into the major main storyline um, do you think so, yeah do you think the thing that separates this movie from other martial arts films you know being tied into the Mar the marvel universe do you think that's also is that where it kind of that's where the weaknesses start because you move away from the tight action the really well scripted action sequences that you can really you know follow easily and you can see you know the moves and stuff once it goes into the fantasy like naturally you're going to lose that is that why you think uh no it just starts to like uh, it's more like it front loaded a lot of the action and then it starts okay. to slow down to like explain and move through th the character stuff um <laughs> like uh, later into the movie rather yeah. than doing it towards the start like it's still like you know spread out like hmm. any good film does it but it's like yeah. it's a bit front loaded and you kind of feel that momentum drop um some way into <sighs> it though this is like yeah. I'm, i think i'm highlighting something that's not like a huge especially like prominent point i'm not sure if everyone would notice it it's just something i yeah. noticed personally i wonder 
this this is like a theory of mine, right? I wonder if this is shaped by the fact that maybe this is like one of the f- first Marvel films that was designed for streaming. I know that it it's getting a theatrical release first, but but hear me out. Because the barrier to entry when it comes to watching a movie online is so high, like sorry, is so low, right? You don't have to buy a movie ticket or anything like that. Maybe part of it is that Marvel wants people to like be hooked so that they are more lo- so that they get enough of a like they've watched enough minutes to count as a like a a, a quote unquote sale. You know what I mean? It's it's like it's like if if you front load it, people are going to watch for a fair bit. Whereas if it's a more traditional film that takes longer to build up, you know, not everyone's going to have the patience for it, so they'll just flick over to something else, like within a few minutes. I wonder if that's kind of changing uh, filmmaking a little bit, like what it did to music and through Spotify. Yeah, I can. I don't know. I'd. I wouldn't agree with it in this case. I understand what you mean. I would imagine that's like. There's a lot of that thought going into like Netflix specific films and stuff. Like Netflix have yeah. so many movies coming out all the time and they're generally like middling quality, you know, like they're rarely great. Like they don't, cause they don't <laughs> aim high for them, you know, yeah. they're like the whole yeah. goal of them is to get people in the door, which means press play and then it doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> like sort of like, it's not That's really, uh, it's just like, it's fine. It's just not really. Yeah. I would imagine Netflix would be far more, um, focus on that particular goal. Um, anyway, th- I didn't feel this film really felt like it. It's just it just felt okay. appropriate to the story. Like I really like yeah. movies that like especially action films. Like I rather I'd rather they not waste time too much if they don't have to. And it, like the way <laughs> this one like barrels into the action into like the yeah. sort of like like jumps right into the um into the you know larger so fantasy pieces. world that Shang Chi oh, okay. is like giving drawn back into. Is like it's it's very fun and it's very exciting. It like I like that it doesn't take its time there. It's just that I think okay as it starts like when I say like it gets bigger like it get, there's like big fantasy set pieces towards the end and there's still martial arts in them just not as much because that's not where the story is at you know it's yeah. like a lot of like you know um, a lot of killing kind of bland fantasy creatures, which yeah. means primarily CGI cool. and not much punching and that always happens in these movies yeah. you know yeah. it's I think like it gets Black Panther had that Avengers had that where you just have like a whole bunch of like alien dogs and weird creatures just you know nondescript shapes just fighting in the distance yeah and it's like I'm not really like yeah I'm not saying this is like I'm against CGI because you can kind of see it everywhere and like even in the, yeah. the earliest fight scenes is like as showing, like as the characters are like impossibly swerving through these tight spaces and stuff to like fight each other it's like none of that like so little of it is real but a lot of like you know but you can't figure out all of it It, yeah um but i forgot my point exactly but it's yeah it just gets cgi heavy towards the end basically (laughs) so 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 what i'm hearing okay (laughs) so correct me if i'm wrong so what i'm hearing is that uh mortal Kombat was a better movie is that right is that what you're saying uh, no, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> yeah. The more I remember that movie, like I really didn't hate that movie at all because we wrote about it. Um, yeah. And I didn't hate that movie, but the more I think about it, like more I remember it, which is not often. There's not a movie <laughs> worth remembering much. 
but like every time I remember it lately, it's just like, oh yeah, I didn't like that movie, did I? <laughs> like I remember, li- I, I liked it much more th- like when we um, when I saw it, and yeah. then like more time has gone on, the more I like, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Anyway, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's it's a fun time killer. Like I I, I genuinely enjoyed it, and I think um, the depiction of Kano was hilarious. Yeah, I also but, made the dumb mistake yeah. of watching it twice. Cause <laughs> Why? Because I, I think I, I watched it twice because my sister wanted to watch it. So it's like, oh, yeah, I'll watch it again because I, I enjoyed oh, parts of it. It would not hold up. It doesn't hold up terribly. I think it's just, well, I guess I am saying it does. I don't know. But, <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't, I don't look back on it that badly. It's just like every time I remember it, it's just like I remember the worst parts of it more than the good parts. I think because like parts of it that I've really enjoyed the first time. You're right; it doesn't hold up well on the second rewatch. Now I think about it, but it's like <laughs> rewatching it again, like watching it again at the time, and it's like, oh, that was like this part I liked and this part I liked, and then rewatching it, and it's like, oh yeah, this isn't as good as I thought it was. And it was like I watched like two days before it. So, um, okay, well, it's because we wrote I, about it yeah. as well, which is why I rewatched it. And it's like <laughs> I wanted to kind of clarify my memories a bit. Yeah, because like. From a like a distance, I was like, okay, so Shang Chi, Mortal Kombat, you've got this Asian lead who's got a you know like ancient history in his bloodline of ancient warriors. There's you know the whole whole idea of fate, and uh, there's also a sinister sorcerer element that this character has to deal with in the future once their power comes alive. And uh, like I was like, okay, but this seems like a much more fleshed out. Um, depiction of that type of story than uh, Mortal Kombat was. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's definitely <laughs> more fleshed out than Mortal Kombat. To um, be fair, we are dealing with hugely different budgets. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was I, I, when I was looking up, like, um, I think I was just like glancing at the director to fill out my like list of films that I keep track of. I'm yeah. just like you know. I have a list of films that I've watched throughout the year and like, I just add a new one to the list whenever I watch it. Um, yeah. But like I was looking it up to see what, who the director was, I think. And it's like, mm-hmm. says, I'm not sure if it was just Wikipedia guessing or something, but it said the budget was $150 million to $200 million. I was a little shocked yeah. by that because like, it definitely looks that expensive. But I kind of yeah. thought it's like, I thought that was still like Avengers budget where you, know, you have yeah. to have as much sci-fi nonsense on the screen at all times. Yeah. So like... Was like, that was probably like Avengers One budget because I'm sure like the End War, eh, sorry End Game and Infinity War would were like 300, 400 million, weren't they? Yeah, that sounds right. I was just, I was still surprised by it because that's I don't know. Maybe I just haven't looked at film budgets for a while. You know what? Like bringing it back to games, like I know, like with what Disney's been doing, using Unreal Engine to create kind of virtual sets in in like The Mandalorian. And I think more and more films are going to start using things like Unreal Engine to create assets because if, if it, like, hardware is powerful enough to run things in real time and, you know, like, you don't have to worry about frame rate <laughs> when yeah. it comes to a movie as much. So I guess there's maybe scope there for budgets to come down based on that. But I guess it would be take a few years to see that come to fruition. Yeah, I'm not really sure I'm criticizing it necessarily. I'd be interested to see how that kind of stuff develops. I, I was just yeah, kind of shocked you, by yeah. it. <laughs> did you watch it in cinemas or on Disney? Uh, cinemas, because I live in WA, oh, you for can. folks listening. Yeah, yeah. I felt kind of <laughs> bad you. bringing it up at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, that's the thing. I'm hoping once like Melbourne opens up, hopefully fully next at the end of next month, 
uh, I can go watch it as well because, like, I'm not going to pay $30 to w- watch it on Disney Plus, but I don't think, I think Disney said it's not going to be on Disney Plus. I know, like, no, the thing that it's going to be on, I'm not sure if it will change in Australia. Like not on that premier launch or something. You yeah, know, like, like um, it's like 45 days after release, so I think it's been two weeks, I think. Yep. So, in about a month, it should be on Disney Plus without the premium tag. So, if you want to wait awesome. a month, yeah. Hey, I'll do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, awesome. And and what about what about uh you mentioned you were playing some Borderlands 2? Uh what happened there? <laughs> oh, it'll come up in a little bit. I was writing about the Tiny Tina's Wonderlands um because yep. that game actually looks pretty fun to me. Like I actually like how mm. it seems to mess with Borderlands conventions. Um I'll have a brief article on it relatively soon. Um Yeah, anyway, it got me in the Borderlands mood. And it's like, I was looking at like Borderlands 3, which was on special at the time. And it's like, oh, should I buy it? And then it's just like, then I just, yeah. I already own Borderlands 2 and I still haven't played like so much of that game because of all the DLC. And then I, I've, I've done this, like, this is like the third or fourth time I've done this exact thing where I start a new <laughs> game of Borderlands 2. I like play it for like, I don't know, between two hours and five, I guess, you know, not yeah. long, a, li- a good chunk I've of been time. There. I've done that exactly with this game. Yep. Yeah. And then I, then I just realized like, man, I hate this. And then I stopped. Yep. Yep. hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. Like I even went so far. So like, Oh, okay. Well, we'll start it again. We'll play it on PC. It'll be high frame rate, blah, blah, blah. It's going to look awesome. Let's play together. And then, Oh, Hey, you know what? Let's buy that tiny Tina DLC. Cause it's like Dungeons and Dragons theme, blah, blah, blah. And then we never end up getting, high enough level to get to that part yeah because that's like, what i was thinking of i was thinking of the yeah. wildlands or like whatever it's called in that game i'm like yeah yeah that that specific dlc i was like oh i haven't tried that like this would be a good time yeah. but it's like you have to play so much <laughs> i'm not sure if there's a level skip option i don't think there is and the writing in borderlands 2 was so bad it was it, it like maybe looking back like we tolerated borderlands 1 because it was so novel and so new you know yeah. Like basically before that you had like maybe the Battlefield Bad Company game. People like like the humor in that. And then you had Borderlands. But I think by the time Borderlands two came up and then there was all this like meme humor and stuff, like I, I can't even imagine how bad Borderlands three is. Yeah, it's because I haven't played Borderlands three. A lot of the writing stuff well I already knew I didn't want to play it because I already knew I'd I'd gone through this process at least twice by then, so I already yeah. knew it's like okay I don't want Borderlands three, um, and I heard that the writing's like almost aggressively bad, which is mm. whatever. It's like because I don't think Borderlands two is that bad, but I also always listen to it, play it with podcasts lately every time I try this, yeah. so it doesn't That's count. Um, yeah, but it's like I I remember liking it at the time, uh, especially Handsome Jack was like a standout. But I can't really say much more than that because it's been so long. Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember Borderlands One being very relatively sparse. Like it definitely wasn't as loud as Borderlands Two was. No, oh, no, and it was very brown. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Uh, yeah, but it's uh, I've got my point now. Anyway, yeah, I hate Borderlands Two, and I there's no reminded myself of it again this weekend. Yeah. And because like Borderlands Three goes on sale every like three weeks for like thirty dollars, you're like, oh okay, I could, I can see, I can see this. It's like approaching that you know threshold where you don't mind spending like money. Yeah, it was it was twenty seven dollars because I was dwelling on that price and it's like, oh, it's pretty good price. And then I was Uh, like, nah, I'm not gonna play this. Yeah, like I know I'm gonna (laughs) like even if it's like 
I'm certain I would enjoy it more than two, because one, I'll probably have the podcast on again. I don't really care yeah. about the story, because I hear it's terrible. But it's also just, like, I've heard there's a lot of quality of life, quality, quality of life upgrades to gameplay, which sound yeah. appreciated playing Borderlands 2 again. Um, yeah. But it's just like, I know I'm not... Every time I try to dive into the one of these, like, loot-heavy kind of... Um, what do you call it? Like loot grinds, you know? You kind of feel like you're on uh, a conveyor belt. shooters. Yeah, that, I was trying to describe it in more like uh, flowery language, I suppose. But uh, it's... Yeah, every time I jump onto one again, it's like it doesn't take long for me to just like grind the energy out of me. Like not in that I like I play many games that are like so, <laughs> you know, kind of literary or anything. Like I really need to play way more like, than I do now, which is almost none. But every time I get on these yeah. ones that are like so hyper focused on like kind of filling your brain with dopamine, <laughs> you know, like yeah, it's just yeah. like it's like numbers over going up, yeah, and like so little else, and the gameplay yeah. itself is so shallow and like empty. It just yeah, it's like all feels like empty calories. I think I've wrote this. I think I've written this kind of stuff a few times now, where it's like using a lot of food metaphors because it tends mm. to be the best metaphor to use um, for this kind of... Um, like, if you like this type of game, I would honestly tell people, play a game like Destiny instead, because the writing in that is way better, the shooting feels great, there's a, a heck of a lot of loot, and because it's built around multiplayer, like, you can totally just jump into a group activity, put a podcast on, and just, you know, you'll see the numbers and everything go up, but you won't be annoyed in the process anywhere near as badly as something like Borderlands. And you might actually, because there's so much lore and stuff to it, like there's so much to Destiny that um, you can get, you can find your niche thing that you like and just do that again and again with your friends. You shill. <laughs> Shilling for oh, Destiny. Shill. It's every time I think about Destiny, it's always, I always, it's not correct. I won't stand by this opinion, but every time I think about it, I always think about how, um, manipulative it feels as a product it always feels like one where it's like once you get into it, once people people who are hooked on it always seem like crazy hooked on it or at least people like i guess because i see a lot of comments like defending it when people start like yep. ragging on it which is like yeah, yeah neither side's really the better in that situation uh um well i mean i don't know situation that's the thing. depends people but, always talk about it being a dead game and stuff but it's been consistently in like steam's top seven most played games like for the last like since it came to steam a couple of years ago yeah so, i always get the sense like, people overstate <laughs> that, that kind yeah. of like i, I like I, I i don't doubt that it's probably losing popularity um over time just because that nothing like all that uh, i think it's actually nothing, gained popularity <laughs> really okay because yeah, it just doesn't just feel like nothing's been big a lot enough of changes to, okay it doesn't feel like there's been en- enough like something big enough for a while to like draw mm. new players in like, you know, it's because, like, mm. I mean, I guess I'm not the exact target audience, but as someone who hasn't played the games and isn't, like, all that mm. interested, every time they have new content announced, it feels so, um, just, f- so completely distant from me as, like, the target yeah. audience. Like, you know, like, my sector, <laughs> my quadrant. Yeah. Well, um, that's the thing. I think the, the new expansion, The Witch Queen, is, like, the most... Uh, pre-ordered like destiny con- piece of content i think it's like it's like doing really well and there's been okay. a lot of interest because w- since it moved to steam became free to play it was included in xbox game pass 
there's there've been a lot of quality of life improvements and and there's a lot to it and the thing about destiny is that you could totally just jump in and play it purely as a multiplayer pvp shooter or you could jump in and treat it totally like a borderlands looter shooter or what you could do is a bit of both play a bit of this play a bit of that and there's there's something for everyone there and because it's a free-to-play game now you could just jump in try it for a weekend and if you don't like it get out like it's i think that's helping it as well yeah, um, I think it's enough Destiny. We keep getting right into it, so it's a bad <laughs> habit we're getting into lately. Um, yeah, we'll just Fair move enough. on from there, <laughs> unless there's something yeah, else we'll, you want uh, to mention. No, I, I think I've I've used up my Destiny allocated Destiny talk time this week. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> join me next week. <laughs> Let's move away from the world of Destiny and talk about the news from this past week. Uh, the first news story is a, a confusingly named 10th anniversary showcase for THQ Nordic. John, do you want to take that away? <laughs> yeah, so um, held on this past Saturday, uh, the THQ Nordic 10th anniversary showcase. It was a short, pretty short stream. It's like, I think you said it was 20 minutes. I think I saw a, yeah, a feed of it. Yeah, 20 was, minutes, yeah. Yeah, I think I saw a feed that was 35 minutes, but it probably had like the first section still attached to it yes it was literally started off with a 10 minute countdown yeah exactly um anyway i had like a very clear theme for this um showcase is sequels or follow-ups to recent remakes and remasters so there's not not much you know not enough uh not not enough not much purely original content here a lot of um yeah a lot of stuff you've seen before and somewhere or another um yeah a oh, lot yeah, of numbers on the end of like titles. Yeah. Also to loop back around to that confusing thing. Yeah, so yeah, kind of tenth anniversary is kind of um strange like THQ's older than that, so I guess it's when they bought the name <laughs> is the anniversary. Which seems like a weird thing to Yeah. So like a brief history lesson is that THQ used to be a huge publisher back in the day. Uh but probably most well known for uh like the WWE games, publishing those, publishing a lot of movie Nickelodeon games like the Rugrats games and SpongeBob and things like that. And then THQ had a whole level of like, because it, it wasn't quite a AAA publisher, it wasn't quite an indie publisher. It was in the middle. It's that kind of B B grade publisher in terms of uh, creating like publishing games like Destroy All Humans. I think uh, like Red Faction like the Saints Row series and things like that. So uh, I think for me, this this I, I saw a lot of like kind of that medium, medium-sized B, B-level games and that, that was pretty cool. Yeah, like pretty modest products, it seems to be like. Yeah. To be fair, it's like they've kind of continued that spirit well <laughs> as, a, yeah. as a company. Um, yeah, so mm. first off, I'm not sure if this, this is probably not in the order that it was announced. I don't think it is, but yeah, basically in yeah, order no, of I think, I, I don't think so, it. yeah. So, um, first off, Destroy All Humans 2 Reprobed was announced. Um, So, (sighs) follow-up to last year's... It's not Reprobed. (laughs) That's what I was thinking. (laughs) What? (laughs) Anyway. It makes no sense. Never mind. Um, Yeah, so follow-up to the remake of the first game from last year, still developed by Black Forest Games. Um, 
not much new, not like nothing new here. If you've already, you're already familiar with it. So it's set 10 years after the first in 1969 with a cold war theme. So you're playing a kind of, oh, what are they always called? Like th- that kind of alien, the gray one. <laughs> I always uh, forgot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. It's, it's kind of like the stereotypical, uh, big headed, big, yeah, like short stature. Oh, I don't know what they'd call it. I forget the name, but yeah. How did neither of us know that? that thing. Um, anyway. I feel like I know um, it, but... Oh, your standard alien, I suppose. <laughs> um, yeah, so, <laughs> you're, yeah, you're invading Earth. You're kind of causing chaos. You're following a storyline. It's, like, very, like, very shallow and action-centric, and there's sort of, like, a charm to it. Um, I think it's also very, like, you know, very... Um, what's the word? Very, like, overtly kind of crass <laughs> in terms of yeah, humor crass and, and campy yeah exactly. kind of like a critique of like america i guess yeah so classic um, america yeah so um just like the sequel um when it was first released it added a body snatch mechanic alongside some new weapons um critically it was considered an improvement over the first so um yeah if you're into the first you'll probably like this one so it's set for mm. so no current no last gen release this time which isn't the first time we'll see this this um i don't think so I actually don't remember. Yeah, no. It's not the first time we'll see it. This um, showcase is next-gen only, so PC, PS5, and Xbox Series consoles set for release next year. Mm. Um, next up, the SpongeBob SquarePants The Cosmic Shake was announced. Um, yet again, a follow-up to game from last year. I think it was that, that was the re- when the Bikini Bottom remake came out. I think it was last year. Yeah, I think that was last year, yep. Yeah, it was. Oh, yeah, I wrote it down. <laughs> Battle <laughs> for Bikini words. Bottom Rehydrated. That's a lovely title. Yeah, they they like these kind of gimmicky remake names. Um, but, yeah, so a 3D platform... Like, the trailer itself didn't reveal much, aside from that it's going to be very costume-heavy. Like, the gimmick is mm. wearing different costumes with different powers, as I understand. I, I think. I'm pretty sure that's so this the is idea. like SpongeBob's version of... Uh, Super Mario Odyssey, or whatever that Balan Wonderland. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that yeah, game yeah, also yeah. had that gimmick. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, so developed by Purple Lamp Games, who yep made the aforementioned Battle for Bikini Bottom Rehydrated remake from last year. Um, so info so far, which you can see on the Steam page, because <laughs> there's not much else. Um, seven distinct wish worlds. So compared to Rehydrate, like Bikini Bottom, that had like lots of worlds. Like there's like hub hub sections with like I don't know, six or seven worlds each, like kind of classic mm. Mario style. This yeah, one seems Mario to be Mario Crash Bandicoot style. Yeah, so this one seems to be like mini open worlds, probably, if there's only seven. Yeah. Mm. Um, 30 fantastic costumes. <laughs> so, yeah, experience all the. No, I'm not saying all this. So, you have, <laughs> you have um, Patrick as a balloon next to you, as a, what do you call it, companion. I guess it's like Zelda like there. We needed a comparison yeah. there. And lots of <laughs> songs from the series, and um, love it. Yeah, so I just love the look of it. Yeah, it's I don't know. I wish I didn't have this little, um, not not little, this like boycott against t- THQ that I think I mentioned at a point in the last couple of months. Because um, like I really, I still kind of want that Bikini Bottom remake, just because yeah. I have a lot of nostalgia for that game in particular. Um, yeah. Anyway, like I'm kind of curious to see how it turns out though, because it seems to be following like the exact same trajectory as Crash Bandicoot, um, which mm. didn't work out for that dev actually, sadly. 
Um, so, yeah. you know, they Toys for Bob, I think, made the remaster or remakes for Crash 1 to 3, um, whatever that trilogy was and, called. And, and Vicarious Visions. Oh, was that by them? Oh, I okay. think it I was. It was the same I day. think it was like a joint because, like, Toys for Bob, um, like, it's, it's just part of, like, the Activision pantheon of just periphery developers that just, you know, work on everything. So, okay. Well, yeah. not the not the perfect analogy then, but like mm. um, or comparison rather is um, anyway. So, Toys for Bob made Crash Four, was received very well. Then it was subsumed into the Call of Duty factory, like so many others. <sighs> yeah. um, so hopefully, THQ has lower expectations that Activision typically has for their games. Mm. Um, so, Purple Lamp Games are probably aren't doomed in the same way. I mean, <laughs> yeah, Toys for Bob are probably fine. Those people are, they've have already been very, embraced. Like, very secure jobs. But yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I mean, this. I mean, THQ Nordic longer. is part of the the Embracer Group machine, so it's it's already kind of part of a. It's a cog in a gear. It's like already in a in a in a huge syst- ecosystem anyway. <laughs> yeah. So Cosmic Shake is releasing for PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC with no set release date. Sorry. So after that, um, Outcast Two: A New Beginning. Another announcement. Uh, this one. Another sequel. What? <laughs> it's it's crazy. It's just like what? Oh, okay. Of all the games. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So I don't know much about this series, but I wrote down a lot of notes on it. So first sequel yeah. to Outcast since 1999. Um, there was meant to be a sequel called Outcast Two: The Lost Paradise in around 2000 yeah. 2001, but it was cancelled mm. due to financial issues with the dev. Um, mm. Dev being um, Appeal Studios. Appeal. Appeal. Yep. Yeah, who have, are still around, shockingly. That was, that was very amazing to hear because huh. um, they're developing this one. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's a follow-up to 2017's remake, Outcast, Outcast Second Contact, um, which was published by Nacon, but that was also developed by Appeal. It's, it's really Nacon, nuts. Nacon, the, the controller company. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I thought they made other yeah. stuff. Yeah but, like we, yeah, but like, you know, game accessories. Yeah. I actually and became a publisher. <laughs> Oh, okay. I don't actually know yeah. Nikon very well. Um, just, <laughs> anyway, so as a series, like the original, oh, not a series, the original game yeah. was best known for being an open world game before GTA 3. Um, yeah. I think it was PC only at the time Yeah, as it well. was, yeah, so the Outcast, like I've seen the Outcast game and it's, it's, it's like, from what I remember, it was kind of like, uh, you know, you're a human, found yourself transported to this mysterious alien planet. You're trying to figure out how you got there and communicate with the locals and and kind of solving puzzles and problems for these people and then there's like I think there's like a mysterious like of course there's always like some overbearing other alien group so it was like imagine a, an open world game like you know how we people made fun of the Pokemon open world game that's like Breath of the Wild for not having much in it in the world like oh yeah like this is probably one of the games that people would compare it to, but this was in 1999, so it's kind of like, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Everything's yeah. foggy. Because I saw, like, <laughs> I, I tried to find some like clips of the old, of I think it was of the remake actually, but you know, played the same. Um, mm. It's like it's pretty basic stuff. Like it's kind of you have like sort of a charge pistol, I think, and you're kind of going around this larger world, yeah, solving, like, doing, yeah. like, little side quests or puzzles or what have you. It's kind of, like, mm. sort of traditional in certain ways aside from the big open world thing, which was a technological marvel back then. Yeah. Um, doesn't stand out quite as much anymore. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, so from what we know, yeah, so Appealed Studios made all three games, which is wild to me. So 1999, Outcast, sequel was cancelled, and they made the remake in 2017, and now they're making this one set for release sometime in the next few years. Um, no set release date yet. But um, development started in 2018 with at least 10 developers from the original Outcast team aboard. Um, That's crazy. De- yeah. I guess it's like, I guess Belgium's not all that, you know, much of a hotspot for major developers, <laughs> Maybe. I suppose. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the director and art director from the original Outcast plus the composer Lenny Moore is on board. So for people who really like the first game, it's looking good. <laughs> um, so Appeal was purchased by THQ in May of this year, um, which kind of, you know, explains that a little bit, I suppose. Um, I, I guess that, that probably means they own the IP as well. I forgot to look into that. Yeah. Um, generally, that's what happens. Well, I wasn't sure if, like, um, Appeal actually owned the IP outright, especially with Nacon. Yeah. But anyway. So next gen, another next gen only release. So PC, PS5, Xbox Series announced. Um Oh yeah, I was gonna say as well. So we got a little look at the gameplay in the showcase, and it looks—it reminded me a lot of uh, Mass Effect Andromeda. Um, like very. That's not a good comparison. <laughs> no, gameplay-wise, I think it was wasn't okay. bad though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Visually, it does look very similar yeah. though. Now that I got it. <laughs> um, but it's you know it's like kind of like very um, very agile third-person shooter. Um, where you can kind of like jump up the air for special moves and all that. Um, I'm not sure. Yeah. That, I'm not sure if there's much more information on it yet, other than they're trying to genuinely succeed the original. So yeah, mm. see so yeah, how that goes. Um, how many more did we want to go through? One or probably? I think like we there was a, a new Jagged Alliance three game, which is from the the the, the Tropico developers, uh, and there was oof, I think uh, that's like another game that was like. Uh, not had a sequel since 2020 sorry since 1999 i oh, know there's uh, there's so, been a yeah. bunch of games in jagged alliance I, I think it's just that specifically numbered entries that are numbered yes yeah, sorry yeah. my bad yeah like a full-on sequel there's been a lot of bad um, ones as i understand it <laughs> yeah well and, and then also uh superpower 3 which i don't know the trailer for the cgi trailer looked really bad <laughs> but yeah, it looked kind of rough yeah it's like a it's it's like a Imagine, you know, it's like uh, it's like a tactical, like pol- pol- political tactical game where you've got nuclear weapons and stuff and you're fighting other countries. Uh, yeah, I think it's like yeah. basically like, um, you know, Crusader know Kings, but it. modern day. It's probably the idea, yeah. but with a lot more yeah. politics. Oh, not a lot <laughs> more politics. You know, a lot more like modern understandings of politics. Yeah, and And, and this is a numbered sequel to... Uh, 2004 Superpower 2. So another like long term, kind of uh, a long, a long time coming, I think. Uh, and then we had uh, Rainbow Studios, uh, uh, kind of like a, a f- like a veteran developer of the MX vs ATV racing games. Uh, and I think, uh, I think we yeah Motocross Madness. And I think also like, I think some of the people even started off with um, like you know, the the Midtown Mas- Madness games and stuff. So, like, a long pedigree there. And this one's, like, a new series in the MX vs. ATV series. And it's it's called MX vs. ATV Legends. Um, and then uh, we got a new trailer for Elex 2, uh, which is, a like, a follow-up to a kind of a sleeper cult classic hit uh, from uh, German developer P- Piranha Bytes. Uh, and it's a... It's a 
uh, the, the developer's also known for the Risen and Gothic games. So that there's there's good pedigree there. Um, and that one's coming to current and previous gen systems. Uh, but no, we don't really have a um, a kind of release date for that yet. But uh, John, we did get a a look seemingly a brand new announcement, which was uh, Expeditions Rome. Oh uh, yeah, I don't think it's a um, I don't think it's a new announcement. I just wasn't aware of it personally. It's like it's very much a trailer it's for people who haven't. Yeah, <laughs> it's very much a trailer <laughs> built for people who don't know about it yet because like it's yeah. very informative and anyway so party yeah. party based tactical classic rpg controlling a squad of six trained roman soldiers um it's kind of yeah it's more of an overview um turn-based combat on a hex grid um lots of depth rpg depth lots of decision making that can you know cascade throughout the game um stuff like army management to like take on different war campaigns like very um history entrenched um yeah, yeah so. like it, it, it's like that. I'm just trying to think of that um, Civilization spinoff that was on like the PS3 and Xbox 360, which was hex based. Um, I'm trying to remember what it was. Oh yeah, wasn't that on like DS as well? I guess the one. I think I was, so. Yeah, yeah, I wanted to buy it because I wanted the DS one. <laughs> yeah, like I, I'm just trying to. I don't remember the the name of that specific game, but yes, I I do know that it was a kind of a move away from uh like this whole i don't know like a like a like the big civilization kind of scale games uh, if i can find it I'll, I'll see what the game is called okay i'm not sure how like um i mean it could have a f- yeah like the um war campaign seemed to have like some civ uh what's that genre called uh <laughs> It's amazing how many words you forget when you're podcasting. Um, anyway, <laughs> it's like, yeah, some large-scale um, yeah, army management, but it's mostly, like, pretty small-scale, very, like, you know, boulders, gatey, probably, but or, like, Divinity or someone, some other, you know, recent classic RPG-style game. Um, uh, Civilization Revolution. Right. I think yeah, that was the name of that it. Name. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, um, sorry, I, just, <laughs> I it was on my I couldn't shake it. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's that one. I, yeah, I guess we're just highlighting this one because this one in particular kind of um, impressed me personally. I thought it looked really cool mm. to me. Um, yeah, so I'm not sure if I'll be able to play it because I think it's PC only for now. <laughs> so I don't if I have a PC good enough to play that yet. But um, yeah, it's yeah, it was impressive. So just wrap it up on that note. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's the thing. And um, I guess we'll shift gears a little bit to specifically the PC gaming space. And there was a a report that leaked. I think one of the first people to spot it was WCCF Tech. Um, basically, a an alleged list, leaked list of half... Like, uh, sorry, an alleged leak of games coming to GeForce Now, which is NVIDIA's uh, GeForce graphics-powered uh, cloud streaming game service and the the list was uh you know gear 6 resident evil 4 remake final fantasy 9 remake time splitters 2 remastered dragon's dogma 2 xcom 3 uh gta 3 vice city and san andreas and i think also liberty city and vice city stories like the psp games um uh then uh tekken 8 crisis 4 shin megami tensei 5 half-life 2 remastered and bayonetta 3 
like all these games besides I think Gears Six are like are, are not officially announced. Yeah, so like a lot um, of stuff that's um It's like speculative. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's how that's how NVIDIA described it. Mm. Yeah. And I think there was like something similar where I think someone claimed that there was a GameStop leak in America with uh, I think Titanfall three and people were like, Oh my god, what? No And then <laughs> I know the Titanfall subreddit was like going all over it and then promptly had their heart broken when GameStop said, Yeah, nah. <laughs> um but yeah, so NVIDIA has um NVIDIA has come out and released a statement saying that, hey, this is, we're aware that there's an, a quote-unquote unauthorized published games list uh, with uh, released and or speculative titles. Uh, reportedly, this list is just for internal kind of testing and tracking, and it doesn't, it doesn't actually mean that it's confirmed. Like, for example, Halo 5 was listed on there originally, but it, it seems like, uh, but 343 Industries community director Brian Gerard said, yeah, no, that's not happening. It's not coming to PC. It could just be that Halo 5's version of the, the Halo Forge mode, which is kind of the, the user-generated content mode, is coming to PC in some way, and maybe that got roped into this somehow. Um, but yeah, sorry. Sorry, uh, I guess, XCOM fans or Dragon's Dogma fans, you're not going to get a sequel on PC anytime soon. Well, I I still believe in Dragon's Dogma. I'm pretty certain that was. <laughs> if I really hope it's happening, because I think well, there's what? like there's more rooms yeah. beyond. This one seems to be the list seems to be um, like safe bets a lot of time. Yeah, either safe bets or like, I guess hopeful ones. But like a lot of them are like you know established series, like uh, like Crisis Four mm. being mentioned. It's like oh yeah, I guess that could happen because I hadn't thought about that for a long time. But they have been making Hunt yeah. Showdown, so they kind of mm. could be in a position to do it, and the remasters. Anyway, my point is yeah, that yeah. Bayonetta three I can't imagine happening, but I guess it's yeah, possible. I mean, even Nintendo, like yeah, it's like it's like, like that. It's tied up with two companies. It's tied up with yeah, both exactly. Nintendo and Platinum Sega. Games. Yeah, and Sega and and Nintendo. It's a weird, like Bayonetta three isn't even like that's in doubt for Nintendo Switch. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like Half Life two remastered is a strange one. Shin Megami Tensei is like. I can't imagine that one coming to PC. It's like, like a lot of them, you can just like kind of poke out. It's like, okay, that one's definitely not happening. Um, yeah. So it's easy but to it's be like, hopeful. If it comes though. to PC, why would it come through GeForce now first? <laughs> well, I guess that's that would be like is. the. Well, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> I don't. Like, I didn't actually yeah. know that much. But you know what? Maybe, like, based on Capcom's trajectory, like a Resident Evil Four remake is due. Yeah, mm, like, can, well, it's like believe there's a lot of rumors for that one actually. So yeah. that one's like that one seems like a so, like the um, yeah. I know it's been confirmed by some insiders already, or yeah. maybe not confirmed, confirmed, but you know, <laughs> it's that one's a, uh, yeah. I'd qu- qualify that one as a safe bet personally. Yeah. Well, speaking of uh, predictions and safe bets, Price has got a, a bet going about the Aussie game industry and how much it could be worth. Should yeah. I should I be investing in some companies right now, John? Uh, ah, someone else. I don't know. <laughs> but um, <laughs> conflict of interest. All right, I get you. <laughs> um, yeah. So reported on by Kotaku, very helpfully summarised. Um, PwC Australia has um released the latest Australian entertainment and media outlook this week. It's which is an annual report that looks at the overall revenue, consumption, and trends of Australians. 
So just what we're doing, what we're spending our money on, so on and so forth. So in yeah, when it comes to media and entertainment. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of information here. I, I probably should organize it better, to be honest. But, um, you know, top points. Um, video games have been consistent year-on-year growth, has seen consistent year-on-year growth. Um, COVID pandemic hasn't hurt it at all, like elsewhere in the world. We've heard this story a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. Um, has it gotten any smaller? Just growing. Um, total revenue for video games in Australia for 2020, for last year, was $3.41 billion, a figure that's expected to reach $4.9 billion in 2025. Um, that's under medium-term estimates, so it could be higher if something like hardware supply issues improve or something else dramatic happens. Um, yeah, so PwC estimates that microtransactions will become a large driver of this um, revenue growth. Um, they also um, label, uh, they also highlight 5G as something that could like change things in a big way, which is, I don't know, I'm kind of curious to see if that's actually true in somewhere like Australia. It's, like where I used to work, 5G uh, was like a big selling thing for new phone plans, right? And then the pandemic happened and no one's moving around anymore. Everyone's got decent internet. Most people have decent internet now at their homes. But the 5G was kind of the, oh, it's going to be better than NBN. It's going to be this. It's going to be that. I, I can see the uh, idea of it, you know, making low latency online gaming possible on the go. Yeah, but like by like this much, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I every time I think of five G, because I don't, it's not a technology that I've been particularly interested in, just because I knew it's not all that relevant to my life, <laughs> all that much. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, but like I remember seeing a, um, I think it was described in a Verge video a few months ago or so, like him kind of. Yeah, he's like kind of summarizing how 5G works and he's kind of going yeah. on about how like you have to basically be in like one specific corner of like a street to get it. And like in like, like specifically in like New York or Chicago or wherever he was. Yeah. Um, and like I'm not sure if that would count here. Like maybe it'll be very much better or something. I guess, I mean, we have like much higher concentrations of people in the cities, so maybe that makes more sense. But um, mm. yeah, uh, that's, yeah, that's it, just, it just seems like something yeah. that's like not, yeah, like I guess within five years, I'm kind of curious to see how... 5g could be that much bigger a deal in australia but i don't know they know what they're talking about more than i do so Uh, you know what i if you want to learn more about 5g i have some very interesting facebook groups i can invite you to (laughs) no no, i'm kidding i'm not an idiot (laughs) yeah Uh, anyway (laughs) i was trying to think of some line about magnetic (laughs) being magnetic (laughs) anyway Uh, fair enough Australians are expected to spend over 1.5 billion on micro microtransactions by 2025, up from almost a billion dollars in 2020, so half a billion dollars growth within five years, which is nuts. That's huge. Um, esports. That's huge. Yeah, esports is expected to enjoy more growth. Um, yeah. So, but PwC still thinks it'll be a pretty small part of overall, small fraction of overall gaming yeah. revenue by 2025 so 16 yeah. million up from around 6 million last year um yeah 16 million sounds right, 4.9 billion <laughs> yeah it's not much mm. uh, but it's like you know it's definitely it's always trending upwards that sector so i can understand yeah it. um yeah. yeah and like uh lastly we'll finish it off um there's a lot of information so it's worth going back if you're especially interested 
But um, yeah, to finish off the 30% tax offset that we discussed a few weeks ago or so, as yeah, a few a few episodes ago, was also brought yeah. up in the report, but its impact, um, but it was it's too recent, so it hasn't been um, factored in properly. But one possibility that's mentioned is that the offset could encourage more local video game developers to list on the stock market, like Playside and Mighty Kingdom have done. Mm. Yeah, it's not something would you know notice or feel all that much, aside you know aside from but the repercussions could be big if that kind of stuff really is could take hold. Um, but um, yeah, so we'll wrap up there. If you're interested, go check it out. Um, check out that report. Um, but mm. yeah, a lot of yeah trending upwards is the theme of this report. That's the I thing. think. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 going to be the the key thing and and. With that tax offset, it'll be interesting to see how many companies take up the government's offer and invest more in Australian development. Whether that's uh, you know buying up existing studios, building new studios, or uh, licensing, you know, outsourcing to current studios that are in Australia, because we've got a lot of talent. Yeah, I'm curious um, how it compares to other countries, because thirty percent sounds mm. like a lot, but I do wonder. Yeah. like I mean, I mean, imagine they pick that number because it's competitive. But, yeah, um, I yeah, think I'm it curious. is consistent. I think it is okay. consistent um, with like other countries, but you know, I'd have to look into that. And the folks who are a bit more interested about you know the, the Australian games industry, uh, there's also the um, uh, the Indepa- Interactive Games and Entertainment Association. So kind of our version of the ESA. So like our you know gaming like industry body. Uh, is hosting a couple of things like the the Digital Australia 22 kind of webinar series, you know, talking about, you know, the data over the past 16 years of Australian gamers. So you can learn a little bit more about that. And there's also the Australia Get Over Here webinar coming up, which is uh, focused on uh, getting foreign investment in Australia. So there's definitely, if you want to learn more, you know, I'd encourage you to check those out and see what, what the actual industry is talking about. You know what they're not talking about? They're not talking about making plans to play Battlefield in October because, god damn it, EA and DICE have delayed Battlefield 2042's release uh, from uh, October 22 um, or slash October 15 if you had the like the like one of the Ultimate Editions or something. I don't know. I paid for it. I don't remember what it's called. <laughs> and uh, it's been pushed back to November 19 slash November 12, depending on which version you have. So it's it's like a three it's like a three to f- it's about a month delay, so it's it's not like it's a like I wouldn't say there's like a crisis with the game, but it's probably just you know um, the standard thing is like you know polish uh, like the quote is here is you know um, quote unquote we feel it is important to take the extra time to deliver on the vision of Battlefield 2042 for our players, so it's it's just a little bit of a polish up. Hopefully uh, we get some news on the open beta really soon because we're coming up to the end of September and we still haven't uh, really officially heard a date for it. Though uh, Tom Henderson, who's a very well-known hacker, it's not hacker, but like data miner, leaker, uh, has uh, previously said that um, the the open beta for Battlefield 2042 is going to take place, start on the on the 8th of October and October 6th for uh, like pre-order holders. So we'll, we'll see if that comes true. Yeah, yeah. It's John. Um, yeah. Do you have anything? You you've played some Battlefield, but 
I don't think you're gonna really check this out, are you? Oh <laughs> uh, well, I was thinking as you were talking, it's like, oh yeah, I have a PS5 that doesn't have discs, so <laughs> this is gonna be trouble. Um, it's yeah, I, I'm curious. I don't know. It looks good to me. It's um yeah, like I think everyone's, I think everyone with an interest in Battlefield's probably, you know, into it. Um, yeah, so I played. Yeah, I think I've, I've probably gone into it before, but I played like um was it Bad Company Two, um a lot back yep. when I had a you know. PS3 that was worth playing. That was a good game. Yeah, I liked it a lot, and that's like definitely what got me into Battlefield. I don't think I played much other ones. Like I think I've tried um, jumping into some of them, but I always jump into them late just because I'm not. I don't know. Most play is something that. Yeah. No. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, but it's it really does look good. I was just thinking as you were talking, it's like oh, okay, I'll probably have to delay this one as well because it's just too pricey. <laughs> but um, it really does look nice yeah. though. I'll, I'll, I'll try. I'll probably try the open beta just so I can get a taste of it. At least, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, no, that that's what I recommend if you can try it out, because the the betas usually give you a good indication of, you know, what to expect from the game. You usually get like a couple of maps, a couple of the game modes, but yeah, like, um, the main thing is that I'm I'll be interested to see, because uh, like, Call of Duty is going back to World War Two, Battlefield's going back to Modern Warfare. It's kind of the opposite. Uh, thing that's happening and that's what happened when battlefield one came out people were sick of uh people weren't happy with infinite warfare and like cod in space and blah 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 and people like the more grounded like aesthetic of battlefield one so it'd be interesting to see if like how battlefield does this year compared to call of duty i think it might be closer than ever yeah because the vanguard open beta has been running lately or not maybe not yep. open some sort of beta <laughs> um, yeah. has been running lately. I've seen, I think I've seen a lot of like pretty negative comments towards it for one <laughs> reason course. or other. So maybe people are just like, I don't know. Just maybe like, they're over. This is like these games that are in development for so long and it's just like, they're just kind of gambling on whether people was like, you know, it's like kind of spinning a wheel. It's like, will they be into like modern or, you know, um, yeah. <laughs> historic and I think shooters this year. And the, the, the tricky part with Call of Duty especially is that the... Um, like Warzone, which is by far, I think, the most popular version of Call of Duty that's played, is free to play and is still technically running on the modern warfare engine from a couple of CODs ago, whereas this is technically a different engine. So it'll be interesting to see, like, as some people pointed out with Black Ops Cold War versus Warzone, is that there is a little bit of adjustment to how the guns feel and you know, the movement and everything because there is a difference in engine. So I'm wondering if, if this is going to be even more far removed from um, from Warzone just because it's been, it's it's like a couple of games out. So yeah, right. I, I wonder, yeah, I don't know. I feel like Warzone yeah. is probably all that really is relevant for COD in yeah. 2021. Yeah, I definitely don't want to discuss Activision too much. So I regret bringing it up, but um, yeah. it's... Ugh, yeah. One thing, yeah, one thing that really I'm very curious about and whether we'll see much of a um, consequence of is how um, seemingly stressed and, um, like, the development teams, because they keep, like, kind mm. of, like, switching teams and, like, um, Cold War was meant to be developed by, I think I think it was meant to be the game after this, after Vanguard, but development got kind of, there were Swapped. troubles, essentially. So it definitely feels like that you know this sort of 
yearly release schedule is finally catching up to Activision, which has otherwise been pretty reliable. You know, because we first saw it with like yeah. Black Ops Four not having campaign and stuff, and it's like yep. we've been seeing like the um, the creeks for a while now. It's kind of interesting to see how these games seem yeah. to be getting, I guess, creaking. Like Modern Warfare, Modern Warfare was really well received, but yeah. They seem to be getting shoddier, or at least in terms of how people are liking them. So, um, yeah. But yeah, just leave it there, I suppose. Mm. It's, it's funny. It's like old COD. Everyone only, everyone just likes what um, Infinity Ward does and Raven. <laughs> Do people were like Infinity Ward that much? I thought people didn't like it. it. They didn't with like COD Ghosts and stuff. But I think this one, I think, I think, yeah, I think Infinity Ward did uh, Call of Duty Ghosts and Infinite Warfare. And that's why they copped it. Okay. Because so, I thought that yeah. I heard the story mode was good, or at least better. And then I heard the multiplayer was really messy. So For I which one? Infinity. Infin- uh, Infinity. Infinity Warfare. Yeah. Um, yeah. Otherwise, I don't know. This is getting very off track. Um, <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. So. Anyway, um, Battlefield's delayed. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. I shouldn't have brought it up. Um, anyway. <laughs> nah, it's all good. This will be a pretty short one because neither of us have too much knowledge on it. But Deltarune Chapter 2 has suddenly been released with about a week's notice, <laughs> um, three years after the first chapter. Um, so it was announced following a nearly four-hour live stream of the first chapter held by Toby Fox um, with a small teaser right at the end. Um, and I think Toby Fox is the like the, like the yes. lead creator of this yes, and Undertale. Yes. Yeah, so the lead developer of Deltarune. He also developed Undertale. Um, several years before that, um, and has otherwise been a very prominent figure in a certain section of the internet slash gaming fandom, um, mm. followed very closely. So, yeah, so a week's release, a week later, and it crashed Itch.io, which it's been released on for a little while, <laughs> which I'm not sure, I'm kind of curious to see if that's ever happened before, because it definitely sounds like something Deltarune would do. Yeah. Anyway, so like the first, Chapter 2 is free. Um, and on the official website, Toby Fox kind of digs into um, why that's the case um, again. Because I think originally he announced that it would be the first chapter and then they wouldn't release anything until the full game is available for a price. So, um, yeah, basically, the world, quote, the world has been really tough for everybody recently. So I decided to release Delta 3 in Chapter 2 for free. So he kind of cool. spent... Yeah, it's very nice of them, to be honest. It's it's um, a good present for people who have been dealing with a lot, which is most people, I think. So um, he expands on this later in this update. So um, um, yeah, so next goal is to complete chapters three, four, and five for next time. Then quote, then at that time, I'll ask for people to buy the game at the price of the first five chapters, including one and two. I don't know the price yet, but it's definitely going to cost more than Undertale. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, and he ends it with, "I won't know the answer until it's done, though." So, yeah. So, yeah. Just a tap. If you're interested, go download it for free. I'm probably gonna mm. go do that because I I've been for a long. I haven't played it yet because I need to. I've played through Undertale once in like the middle one where you kill like maybe one character. Like, cause there's like pacifist 
genocide and like the middleware ground. I'm not sure how yep. many differences there are between those, but I did the middle one, and it's just like I have had a really hard time with the final boss, and it kind of drove me away from like replaying it right away. Yeah, and now I really want to. But as I understand, I think I think a lot of those the all three playthroughs are quite important to understanding the story and world. So I haven't. Oh, okay. So I'll kind of. I think so. Huh. I'm not actually sure. That's cool. Yeah. So I wanted to replay the other two playthroughs and probably the middle one as well because I haven't actually played it for a long time now. And mm. then then play Undertale or Delta Rune. Sorry. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> it's connected yeah, yeah. in some way I'm not aware of. So um, it's kind of nice to be reminded of it. To be honest. <laughs> yeah. Like, I haven't seen headlines about this for years, and I guess this makes sense. This is like a very Kentucky Route Zero type route in terms of, uh, like, a release schedule. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't yeah. think we'll hear about it again for a while. Yeah. Well, this last story is another tale about things that are long overdue, and that's Nintendo has finally updated the Nintendo Switch firmware to allow... Bluetooth audio connections. Like, okay. So, a software update went up last week uh, for all Switch owners to be able to pair Bluetooth devices for audio output. Uh, at the moment, it doesn't support microphones. It's just, like, headphones. It's just the audio uh, coming out of the Switch. So, it's still dumb for online gaming. Number two, uh, while that's happening, you can only have two controllers connected while it's active so clearly the the bluetooth chip in the switch is not powerful enough to handle you know too many uh connections and uh and it needs to be on a specific codec which uh i believe might be like uh probably sbc so it's like a lower i think it's a lower it's a lower like lower bitrate codec so it's like kind of very compressed audio but that means that the files are like the data the bandwidth requirement is lower so there's less like delay uh, whereas if you connect with like a higher quality codec um, like if you have like a I think the example is Bose QC35s uh, very popular headphones uh, they don't have the right codec so audio will be about half a second or so behind which uh, not fun but you can kind of get used to it if you've got like if, it, if it's a game that doesn't rely on the audio matching say dialogue or something but I, I can see that being annoying for people um, and yeah, I think you included this quote. I don't know where you got it from, but <laughs> it was on some article we linked in our little news feed that we keep updated. <sighs> um, now, oh <laughs> quote, now with Bluetooth audio and OLED, Switch is almost as good as PS Vita from 10 years ago. And I, I 100% true. That. <laughs> like the PS Vita, people don't realize, like, it's a brilliant piece of kit. Like, it debuted with an OLED screen back in like 2012 or whatever, uh, had like similar battery life. It had um, like 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 Dual Shock controls on the front, had touch controls on the back. Um, it it had like yeah, it was like very know. overloaded as piece of hardware. Yeah, like no. under underutilized like machine. I think by that time the DS had already run away with things, and the 3DS was really carrying momentum. So yeah, like OLED oh. on a handheld, like OLED is a game changer. Actually, like 3DS like is actually that's actually a good comparison because 3DS like didn't do well for the last like, first like two or one or two years. Yeah. So Vita definitely had a chance there, but it was too expensive and like it was just generally price prohibitive and it didn't have like the yeah. software support. Um, yeah, because I so think just, uh, the, the yeah. 3DS launched 
10 years ago. So in 2011, it didn't do too well. So Nintendo kind of rebooted the 3DS in 2013 and then did like drop the price dramatically and then offered a whole bunch of free games as like compensation. Yeah. And I think the Vita launched in 2012 and it was like way more expensive. Or actually, I guess committed to the 3DS at that time, not much more expensive, but it was a much better piece of kit. But once the 3DS went on special and then the re- revisions came out, like it was like, see you later. Yeah. It's definitely... Um, Sony definitely miscalculated with how the kind of popularity po- um, the PSP had, the original one, because it definitely yeah. was popular. But I think when they kind of designed this hardware, they sort of... They designed it around like, you know, kind of the modern adult gamer or something where it's like, you know, someone who's like, or like someone who would buy an iPad with, um, with cellular support because that was one of the models. Mm. It's like, which kind of makes, you know, it's like, it was, it was very meant to, uh, it's meant to be a very online centric game because I I wrote um, an article about this uh, some time ago now for about um, around PS5 launch, about around next gen launch, sorry, around the Vita's launch slate. And a lot of them are like multiplayer games and like online multiplayer games. So you know, like Marvel vs. Yeah. Capcom three was on it, and like yeah. um, Ridge Racer like a three G module or something, right? Yeah, exactly. Like it had like yeah. it had a cellular version alongside a normal yeah. Wi Fi one, and yeah. like it's just when you think about it now, it's like man, that was such a dumb thing to do. <laughs> like it was yeah. kind of it sounds neat, but it's just like it's it's also like way too. Um, the Vita was very what's the word? It was. Um, like as hardware it was designed for like five years ahead. It was yeah. it wasn't like it was expensive. Let's think about it. Yeah, it's like but it's like, you know, like the three G support, it's like I really doubt that was good enough for some of the games it's trying to support as yeah. well. Especially a fighting game. Like I know that like tw- like basically the, the, the Vita was dead in the water in twenty fourteen when Apple launched the iPhone six. Because that was the first time Apple took gaming seriously on an iPhone. Plus, there was a bigger iPhone model with a bigger screen, so you could actually hold the damn thing and not, like, cry in pain from, like, <laughs> cramping your hands. And then... Um, but the, the crazy thing is, like... Uh, let's see. OLED screens didn't come to uh, the iPhone, as well as proper controller support didn't come to the iPhone until, like, the iPhone ten. So, like, the Vita was, like, seven years ahead. <laughs> like, yeah. seven to nine years ahead. Yeah, then, like, then the Switch basically capitalized on, like, everything that the Vita <laughs> was designed around yeah. facilitating, you know, like, around yeah. like, a market product. Yeah, and it makes sense because, like, the Vita and the PSP and the Vita, to to more extent, was like, okay, here's here's the full PlayStation experience on a handheld. We're going to bring all that big, you know, AAA games on here, like Uncharted and everything are going to go on here. Resistance... I think even um, the Killzone games, right? But not everyone wanted a AAA game on the go. Nintendo kind of realized, okay, people people need good enough hardware. They don't need the best hardware, right? And and Nintendo's like, well, we're Nintendo. We don't have to have trip like we don't have to have the best graphics or whatever. And then came up with like, how about it's a console you can play anywhere. And then when you come home, it'll connect to your TV, so you don't have to buy another Nintendo console. Yeah, you know, well, that like, that's I another think, thing. Yeah. It's like talking about like Vita being like so far, like way too ahead of its time. It's like it didn't have the tech able to actually like um, match the idea of like AAA. You know, because that was a time it was like yeah. end of PS3 lifespan um, or close to it. And mm. the idea would be that you're getting PS3 level games, or at least you know close to it in the same way that Switch is close to PS4 
sort of experiences, yeah. like, you know, relatively close. But it's like, it's not even close. <laughs> it's so far away, technically. Like, on a, like it's just hardware is, like, so weak and, like, everything just looks very... That games look nice on it, but they have to be... I think there needs to be a lot of work behind it to really match that. Yeah. And it had, like... Um, like, the... <laughs> Like, I'm just looking at this. Like, these are the stats. Like, it had a 5-inch OLED, two analog sticks, uh, front and back shoulder buttons, a Bluetooth, Wi-Fi, and 3G. Had a quad-core CPU and quad-core GPU. Like, and then there was also the PS, the PlayStation TV, which is basically a Vita without the screen that you plugged into a TV to play Vita games on a TV. And it supported the DualShock 3. So, it was kind of like a prototype Switch. Yeah, exactly. It's I love my Vita. <laughs> Did you have one? I never, I never had one, but yeah, I, I have I fun memories it, yes. of the. <laughs> I, I was gonna like tear away was like one of those games that seemed like, okay, I can see why the Vita is like you know such a good system, but then it that eventually came out on PS4. Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah, but you know, um, like <laughs> I just realized I yeah. bought Tearaway and Persona 4 Golden at launch and I had to be like one of like a dozen people in Perth who did that <laughs> like yeah. maybe oh, at that like <laughs> yeah yeah oh, <laughs> oh my god yeah because Golden was like the re-release of uh, the PS2 like of, of Persona 4 right yeah yeah that was it yeah it's, uh, um, that's crazy did you have a launch Vita or did you have the like the revision I had the launch one Oh, so you had the OLED, so you've had OLED for like almost ten years. Uh, close to it. Came I think out I got in twenty twelve. I think I, I didn't have a launch launch one. I got, but that was the model I have. I think yeah, I got it yeah. in like twenty thirteen or fourteen. I oh, know it would have yeah. been around two twelve. Yeah, I think I want to say tw- twenty thirteen. I probably got it. Like, but yeah, yeah not long after. Now I think about it. Yeah, and th- and that's the th- crazy thing is that like um, like even the three DS didn't get had two joysticks or two analog nubs until the re-release I think in 2014 so this is uh, anyway like it's just crazy it was a crazy piece of kit and I'm sure there are, there's a there's the crazy thing is a lot of people like the the PS Vita became like an indie game machine like what the switch is now because you remember when Sony used to say hey if you download a PS Plus game or if you buy a game on PS3 you get the Vita version with it the digital version yeah, yeah. So Sony did that. So that's why the PS Vita had like the second life as an indie machine because a lot of games like Journey and stuff, when you bought the digital version on one, you got it on the Vita. Yeah. And I think like some games supported cross-save as well. So you could yeah, come definitely. home, switch to another version. Mm. Yeah, it's... um, uh, Vita nostalgia is really nice. <laughs> it's very cozy and warm to remember. Uh, I love my <laughs> Vita. I need to load it up again. Because I, I have my... Like, the only thing... I don't use my Vita much anymore at all, obviously, but um, I always use. It's basically my Spyro machine now, because it's like a PS One game thing as well. Um, it's a it's a great little thing. Like, did it. you did you um homebrew it or was in? Was no, it like, like it plays like PS One classics on it as well. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Like from the store. Like yep. I play like. Um, I actually don't have too many PS One games now. I think about it because I played um Symphony of Night as well a few times and yeah, yeah. I don't know. I got a lot of playtime out of that thing. Hmm. Man, that's crazy. Oh, just yeah. Uh well, you know, sweet Vita. We hope you rest <laughs> in peace. Wherever you may be. <laughs> yeah, my draw. <laughs> uh well, speaking of things coming to an end, let's uh let's bring this episode to an end. John, 
always a pleasure having you and uh, you know talking talking a whole bunch of shit about games. Yeah, I'm I'm glad f- if only if just for this um, Vita memory, uh, <laughs> I'm happy I did this episode again. <laughs> uh, well, everyone, if you enjoyed what you heard, uh, you can always. Uh, follow us or subscribe to the podcast on your platform of choice. Always appreciate your support uh, wherever you give it. If you'd like to uh, support us via Patreon, you can do so at Double Jump. Sorry, uh, patreon.com slash Double Jump. And you can find us uh, on social media, uh, pretty much at DBL Jump across all the social media platforms and at Double Jump on Instagram. And yeah, head over to doublejump.co for all of our awesome articles. We've got uh, some new projects cooking and we're really close to, you know, announcing exactly what we've been working on, but it's 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 really awesome news and we, we, we can't wait to share it with you all. But yeah, until next time, look out for one another. Peace. Bye.